0: Welcome to the Face Off Podcast, a podcast where the movies of John Travolta face off with the movies of Nicolas Cage until we watch the movie Face Off. I'm Erin Hennessy. And I'm Jess
1: McBride, and we will be your guides along this journey through the flying buses of Travolta and the busing flights of Cage.
0: This is our seventh episode, and it's all about airborne hostage situations, estranged daughters, and lots of explosions.
1: Yes, yeah. Indeed
0: so many oh, there's man. always
1: explosions in these movies it's yeah. just it's like in the contract John, Travolta it is part of is the contract like, well I how many explosions more. are Boom. going to be in it all right well i guess you can accept my offer of 10 millions of dollars
0: Yeah, I was going to say maybe, yeah, maybe he's like, I want as many explosions as my salary or something. It's just like, (laughs) boom, 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 boom. But yeah, we have a pretty good lineup today. Uh, We're going to start with Swordfish. Jessica, do you want to tell us a little bit about it? I sure do. So Swordfish,
1: which was a movie I had not heard of in my life before this project. This is a movie that came out in 2001. Uh, it was directed by
0: Dominic something. <laughs> I think it's Dominic Sarah. <laughs> kind of like Michael Sarah. It just says Dominic C. S here
1: <laughs> for privacy. Oh, it does?
0: It does. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> all right, we'll get back to you on that. Um, the co-stars, this was this was a very, uh, I, I mean, I don't know how big they were at the time, but they all became very huge superstars. Um, co-stars included Holly Berry, Don Cheadle, and Hugh Jackman. Um, so, definitely, like, talented, talented crew of folks here. The budget was $102 million, which is, I feel like, pretty big. I'm looking at the rest of these budgets. Um, and, it, and definitely, like, compared to how low profile it, w- it was, or... It, I don't know. I mean, I was in high school. I feel like I would have heard of it. Maybe not. Whatever. Well,
0: here's the thing. I was also in high school. Uh, The year was 2001. And yeah, I just entered high school. I ended up working at Hollywood Video. I don't know if I've shared that on this podcast, but I did for a summer or for like six months, something like that. And I distinctly remember... Shelving that movie, like I remember, I there are certain movies I remember Matchstick Men too, um that mm-hmm. was on the shelves at I the time. I remember
1: that. Yeah.
0: Mhm. And and I do remember seeing Swordfish and being like, Hugh Jackman's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, so it's very so thick it was around for sure. Yeah. Um.
1: Anyway, it netted 147 million. So I guess it wasn't a complete loss, but I I feel like proportionally that's not that's not amazing not a
0: not a huge hit
1: no this was a very interesting movie i thought oh yeah it opens with this hostage situation there's a hostage with a um, an explosive device on her chest and the feds are sort of like trying to figure out do we grab her do we rescue her do we you know comply with the demands there's a lot of shouting and then there's and then somehow which wasn't entirely clear to me is it was it just because she was flailing around and they're like no she's she's a goner like she's gonna set it off because of her you know
0: because of her like movements in this scene we see don Cheadle repeatedly telling this swat team member who's like pulling her out in the street to stop like to cease what he is doing and he ignores the command
1: this was a very poorly trained SWAT team there's no command what is going on here so anyway she explodes and the SWAT team is killed and and there's probably i don't know 20 seconds of like slow motion people and glass exploding (laughs) And that's how the movie begins. All,
0: like a 360, like we see oh, yeah, like that's right. all of the all of the, the aftermath of this explosion.
1: Yeah, it kind of pans through a bunch of buildings and and a bunch of people are like f- levitating in the Which was aftermath. pretty cool. It was. I think that a lot of the budget was that
0: scene. Spent on that scene. <laughs> that scene um, probably took days to shoot.
1: And then we go to Hugh Jackman and and he kind of becomes the, you know, he sort of establishes like the hero of the movie of like, you know, where what, what is he going to do? He's right now just out of prison. He's being he, you know, we see that he is estranged from his baby mama, and he, he's not allowed to see his daughter, who he's like obsessed with and loves. Uh, so
0: so he's. Spending his time golfing on the roof of his house. In <laughs> in, in a, a towel.
1: In a towel, yeah. I was like, is that a towel or a skirt? And I was... Yeah,
0: what?
1: I, it looked like it was <laughs> lighter than most towels. I don't know. Anyway, it was fun. So he's kind of given this offer by Halle Berry that's like, you know, we'll pay you all this money. You're a professional hacker. A has-been hacker, sort of, as we learn later if you can get us into the FBI's bank account or Department of Defense or some some federal some department. slush fund, you know, get us in there. There's a slush fund that is there doing nothing, and we want to steal it. <laughs> so if you do this for us, we'll give you all this money, and you can get your daughter back because apparently money gets your daughter back automatically. I don't know. That was
0: forward to today. Present time, same situation. How quickly would the modern media make a frenzy over this? In, in a matter of hours, it would be the, the biggest story from Boston to Budapest. 10 hostages die. 20, 30. Relentless, bam, bim, one after another. All caught in high def, computer enhanced, color corrected. You practically taste the brain matter. All for what, a bus, a plane? So I want to, to talk about John
1: Travolta quick cuz I know we need to move on. But so again, in this char- in this movie, he's 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 pretty bad. Like he's 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 the villain for the most part. And and he he plays this jolly villain that he has which is a character that is his own <laughs> and he he totally brings that to so many of his movies which i think is really interesting and it is it's it's kind of fun i mean i feel like there's even this like cartoonish trope of like the jolly villain even like captain hook kind of thing where it's like like he's like you you kind of want to go have a drink with them and be on their team but then you're like Oh, but they're really not doing good things. And then on, on top of that, I want to talk about this movie and how it came out in June of 2001. So, uh, for those of you who, um, don't remember, we were, we had a a very big terrorist incident on September 11th, 2001. So, Later that year. So I was thinking this was like almost like rewritten and then came out in December because I was like, there's no way that this is pre 9 11. Um, Because it turns out that John Travolta is this like ex CIA guy who is stealing all this money from the FBI in order to like kill terrorists around the world as a vigilante because he's like, you know, no one else is doing this, but I want to like, you know, we need to preserve the American way of life and that can only happen by, by bringing retribution to terrorists tenfold. And so I want to read this, this like line that I, this, this part that I um copied from the dialogue, which is just bonkers. Because um, he's kind of talking about like utilitarianism, you know, essentially of like, it, it requires the sacrifice of some to, like, accomplish bigger things. And he's kind of telling Stanley, um, or Hugh Jackman's character, uh, of, about why he's doing, like, kind of the why of this whole project that he's forcing him to do. And so Travolta says, you don't understand what it takes to protect those freedoms. That's my job, to protect your way of life. And then Hugh Jackman asks, who are we at war with? And Travolta says, anyone who impinges on American freedom, terrorist states, Stanley, someone must bring their war to them. They bomb a church. We bomb 10. They hijack a plane. We take out an airport. They execute American tourists. We tactically nuke an entire city, which I don't really know how you tactically nuke because You know, it's like, don't you? Just, that's like a whole city. That's the whole thing. Anyway. Our job is to make terrorism so horrific that it becomes unthinkable to attack Americans. That is that is something that was written, you know, however many years just prior to the beginning of the War on Terror. And, and the fact that, like... And I, again, like, I... Uh, I was in high school in a very small town. Like, I don't really know... What other kinds of terrorism was happening and what kind of, like, what kind of dialogue was happening around that. But the fact that, like, this movie kind of says, it it basically, it almost puts John Travolta's character up as a hero to say it takes this kind of tough-minded guy to, like, do justice in the world. And, like, that year, the year that this came out, we basically were, like, it takes us taking their war to them. Like, we are going to go to Iraq, and we're going to, like, just totally, and now we've spent (laughs) 20 years over there just, you know, fucking everything up and saving some people. But also, but, like, I mean, think about the yeah at what cost to us what cost to them and the the scale of retribution as well you know what they did was awful and and really was a wound in in our in our history, but it um we have we have destroyed countless buildings and countless civilians um as well so uh so it kind of puts and i think that Travolta's villains are often like this where it puts this spin on like, well, what is the right thing? You know, like is it right that like you know, like in Broken Arrow like, is it right that the Americans have this technology or you know, is it right that I get rich from this? You know, like it's kind of like, what what are ethics? And I think because he's this jolly Italian, you know, Figure he's not like a, I don't know, he's not like a bug-eyed Steve Buscemi or something. It's like, oh, maybe what you're saying is right. I don't know, or like maybe there's something admirable about it, even though he's still a villain, he's still killing people. Uh, there's it maybe it maybe plucks at some so, sort of like utilitarian string in our hearts that it's like, hmm, that maybe he has a point. He is killing all the terrorists.
0: I don't know. Uh... Well, no, no, you're you're totally right. And he, I mean, his his claim is that I mean, there's not only that that business end of what he does to like basically destroy terrorists, mm-hmm. but he he ends up killing that senator too, right? Because oh yeah, the senator to him was disloyal to America mm-hmm. and was not doing good enough, you know. So he kind of became this this character that was deciding who was just and who was not in a way that like wasn't he had his own yeah his own moral quote exactly and and the other interesting thing that he says um and he it starts at the beginning of the movie with his long monologue about movies and like what makes good movies he says (laughs) right yeah he says not everything ends the way it should besides audiences love happy endings so yeah so i mean even if you look at the war on terror like That was a war that was painted to be, I mean, maybe we shouldn't be sharing all these like super political opinions, but like it, I mean, if you watch Vice too, like, I think that's such an interesting story of Cheney and like his, his path to the white house and how he kind of, he really, he really marketed that war. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, that need to fight terrorism and, and Americans feel so good in wartime. And like when we feel like we're fighting for a cause that matters, but we overlook the fact that we're also like destroying people. <laughs> like we're destroying a way of life and we're not even necessarily always fighting terrorism. Like you're saying, like we're killing civilians. We're doing all these other awful things. And like, why, why do we need to be there? Why do we need to be doing that? But it's become so much of the American way to, to just jump in and mm-hmm. take over, take charge So, yeah, Travolta is really interesting. He, I mean, no one in this movie is really good. Like, if you think about it, uh, Jackman's character has been, uh, you know, has gone to prison. Halle Berry's character is really deceptive. Uh, Travolta's bad. I would say, I mean, I'd say Cheadle's decent. He's kind of mean, but he's decent. Um, Holly's mother is a porn star. (laughs) You know, there's like nobody... Nobody holly is, is the
1: only good one really holly and her stuffed
0: giraffe are just holly only characters. yep stuffed giraffe her little her little glasses and her her little like what was that handkerchief headband she was so cute uh she's probably our age uh oh, holly if you're out there let us interview you hear how uh it was filming swordfish but, yeah, it was it was an interesting movie where everyone was kind of an antihero, especially Travolta. And he really was um, terrible and jolly. <laughs> <laughs> he was. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I'm sort of, yeah, I kind of feel like that's kind of with all the data points that we've collected so far. It, it's like, oh, yeah, like, that's, that's his thing. Yep. And it, I think it all started with uh, Danny, you know? danny in Greece. <laughs> danny Zuko. yeah,
0: yeah he's, he's kind of the a bad, bad dude smoke cigarettes the bad boy yeah he's like you know yeah. what
1: this is a corner of the market i can really sink my teeth into yeah um,
0: yeah yeah one okay one last thing uh it must be addressed that there was a flying bus in the end of the movie um right like they they take a bus and lift it through the air in an attempt to escape rather than going to the plane that they were going to escape via right or that was you know it was all about the deception and um yeah. but the but this is crazy to me i okay so the fact that in that bus where everyone was freaking out the bad guy... Okay, so so his, like, henchman dude who always had a gun that he would point... He's also in, like, a... He's in a bunch of movies, but I can't remember his name right now. But he, like, very... I was thinking about the bazooka. Like, how could he have predicted that Hugh Jackman would find the bazooka and shoot the plane, which would help him to cover up his death? But he did. Like, there's this very... There's a shot before they leave the bus where that the henchman dude makes eye contact with Hugh Jackman as if to or Stanley as if to see like to make sure he sees that he has a bin of bazookas (laughs) and so like even (laughs) that move was calculated which I think is interesting we didn't talk a lot about that deception in the Harry Houdini you know calculation and distraction and all these things but that was another really interesting element to the character uh which makes for a great caper so so, it sure does, and, that, it, and it made for a
1: good um, flashback, like a mystery yeah. solved flashback, which is great. It's, it's very like Mission Impossible, where it's like if you didn't put it together, here's a soft growing flashback for you. Um, we'll show you
0: one more time, now. you idiots. <laughs> At Southwest Airlines, we always want you to feel like you have access to the same amenities you would have on the ground. That's why we offer in-flight entertainment. Download the Southwest app to your device and have instant access. Listen to Sweet Home Alabama on repeat. Watch any movie with John Malkovich in it, because really, they're all pretty good. Need to hack into secret government accounts? Purchase our in-flight Wi-Fi for just $8. Want to get away? fly southwest
1: let's talk about con air
0: con freaking air holy what a movie i had to Ah! go
1: outside after i watched it i had to be like what just happened to me
0: (laughs) i i honestly i i was like my mouth was agape most of the movie and I I squealed <laughs> a lot. I I uh, loved everything about this movie. I wish we could watch these
1: together. That would that I would know. be a dream. But you know,
0: basically, Cage goes to goes to prison for something he did on accident. He gets out. He takes a flight with a bunch of convicts to go home. He gets paroled and chaos ensues (laughs) and it is fantastic (laughs) yeah so con was made in 1997 another the magic 97 or those late 90s wow and it was directed by simon west uh some of the other co-stars that were involved and there are many believe me there are many more i could list but john kuzak was one steve buscemi and john malkovich dave chappelle oh oh I love it. And the budget was seventy-five million. It made two hundred and twenty-four million dollars. <laughs> Wait,
1: seventy-five million? I mean, I the, guess that was Yes. Like, that's that's a that's a tight budget. Doesn't,
0: doesn't that, that feel insane for all I mean all the, the thing is air, a lot of they used and but keep keep in mind a lot of it did take place in the plane, right? That's um, true. There there were a few scenes, and there... Uh, there' a good chunk like the last third probably is in the desert so there was a lot I mean and it's yeah I'd say they probably paid for quite a few explosions but Obel- a, oh West definitely Vegas. the yeah. Vegas trip yeah. that for sure was a lot of their budget so yeah, this movie um did really blow my mind it mm-hmm. um. It <laughs> I love Monica Potter who plays his wife. They have this really romantic um you know opening scene where they're at her bar and they dance and you're like, "Oh, everything's perfect." But wait. Also, Nicolas Cage is very um well-groomed and very yes. quickly uh he gets in an altercation in the parking lot uh, which there is some foreshadowing in the first 5 minutes she his wife basically alludes to his past where he gets in fights and and causes problems but he's not gonna do that and then he does that <laughs> uh in the rain and he accidentally kills a man i think with his fist it's a very quick sequence i it's watched like a many times shot. it's like a you know
1: the like he just like hit him in the jaw the, and it killed him
0: and or like kind of like I guess that can yeah run. i don't know i mean yeah oh yeah and then he it
1: happens, so.
0: Yes, it happened. We, next we go to court. He gets put in prison for 7 to 10 because he is he's actually a weapon because he's trained, <laughs> hmm. which I found out is not true. Um, but he <laughs> did kill him with his fist. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> you, I, I, that's actually in, like, the facts. It's like, actually, you would not be convicted of this crime, but... He accidentally. I would. I mean, I feel like he would get off on like self defense or something, but I guess not. I know. In this case, he does. And there's a witness.
1: Like there, there are there are three witnesses, and even if the man, if the men didn't testify, like the you know his his wife would have testified, and. Um, he's a good man. Yeah, it did I mean you got to get him into prison somehow to get him out of prison. So
0: and they got him into Whatever. prison. We yeah. we very quickly see his hair grow at an alarming rate, but that, we're going to that montage, that's over the montage the prison years.
1: montage is <laughs> is just charming. He's it doing charming. a lot of push-ups. He's doing some handstand push-ups. He's a good CrossFit. He does he crossfits. Yeah. F- functional fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, he studies he's, he's, he studies spanish he studies man he's writing letters i wish the spanish mm-hmm. had come into like play yeah that i was have thinking been a about good, that too you know maybe he could understand what what uh yep. johnny 26
0: was saying but exactly know, all... i thought that too i was like why didn't they bring that back but yeah so so he's basically he has this really good friend in prison is that baby o and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're talking about getting out and everything. And then I think that the diabetes comes up, too, at some point pretty early on. Maybe, does it? Because I feel like there's a good amount of foreshadowing leading up to every single thing that happens. <laughs> I'm
1: trying to think about – I don't think they mentioned diabetes. When they reference that. When maybe they, they reference that prison. when he's
0: on the plane. Like, he's like, but, I haven't had my shot But then it was like, oh, the night. one
1: person who needs life-saving medicine – is his best friend who's innocent of, you know, was like course. a good best- Yeah, the, the takeover of the plane happens very quickly. You see, like, yes. as everyone's, like, sort of getting ready to take off, everyone's, like, getting blades out of their body. Like, they've, like, embedded blades yep. in their bodies. I had they've, to
0: watch that many times. They, too. uh,
1: the, someone had swallowed um some lighter fluid ball, li- lighter fluid and one match <laughs> that was Chappelle uh, really optimistic. You know, yeah, Dave Chappelle. Uh who's very small, it felt like I felt like Dave Chappelle's always the tallest one. Anyway. And so just very quickly you go from this corn kind of like uh situational, you know, it's well, I guess they're setting up, you know, this is a very dangerous flight. We're taking all the precautions And also Mm -hmm. positioning this DEA. Again, DEA. That is a, that's a bridge
0: for the two The DEA, yes! Halle Berry pretended to be DEA, and these dummies are the (laughs) DEA, the guys that cause all the problems and set the groundwork for chaos and anarchy to ensue, are DEA. He, they
1: did, well, they did irresponsibly send a gun into the hold with them, but, but they also were planning to take over the plane anyway, so I don't. Mm-hmm. It would have been harder, anyway.
0: Yeah, um, totally. I yeah, it it. I don't know. Everything was just <laughs> like clockwork. It was set up a little too perfectly. Yeah, in a lot also, of ways. Um, let's yes. just let's
1: just acknowledge the scene and John, our friend remembered the scene as well and was like do you remember and he like as soon as he started talking about it i was like i know exactly where you're talking about it's when nicholas cage is coming off of the bus and he looks into the sun and like <laughs> smiles
0: <laughs> like an angel <laughs> here i'm gonna come back to a point that i feel like i've made it in another recording and mm-hmm. it is that Cage loves to be good. He loves playing good good characters. Apparently, this is a trivia fact. I think I revealed, maybe I didn't. I'm sorry, Jessica, because you still Mm. have not seen face off, but he specified that he wanted to play whatever character in face off was mostly good, basically. So he agreed to basically play the bad character because he also gets to play a good character. And, um, I love that about him I kind of love that he you can just tell he really embraced this character
1: which is the and sort of opposite of Travolta who's like I feel mm-hmm. like he I mean maybe he doesn't seek them out but he gets typecast for these sort of uh, devious characters you Larkin, who's that guy okay. that is Cameron Poe parolee hitching a ride home uh-huh.
0: scan him face me This shit. It's my daughter. I don't care if it's a weeping mama Christ. There's no personal possessions on this airplane. Just as long as you know I'll be getting that back at some point. And then we have another person we should address is John Malkovich. There's just so many people in this movie. They say that he earned two degrees in prison, so you're like, okay, well that would explain why he's so smart and calculated, and he's figured all this stuff out, and he still sounds like John Malkovich. Um, but I, I, I loved him too. He was very intense and creepy and I don't know if his motivation, I don't know if I really,
1: I think it, it everyone. It was confusing. Ha- Obviously they want to get yeah. out, but it wasn't clear, like they're, they they did not quite set up that thing where it's like these people, I don't, I don't remember why they had to be transported. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a sense of like they're going to be executed now and, and so this is the only time, um, that they could escape or, you know, uh-huh. obviously escape anytime is probably a good idea if you're a fugitive, <laughs> but it just seems like very high yeah. risk. Uh, and for like, it's like, oh, how did you, and you know, coordinate with all these people and know about yeah. this? Uh, yeah. There's, there's some unanswered questions, but that's Okay. He definitely yes. was a great villain uh, and and almost like, like Travolta in Swordfish where it's like he's so intelligent that you like, you're like, oh, I should trust you. You're like a good leader. Like, I want to be on your team.
0: Yeah. But,
1: you know, and he, there, there are times that he's cruel and like ruthless, but he's also not the same kind of cruel that like that prison guard was at mm-hmm. the beginning where he's just like humiliates people and like terrorizes people i mean i think that yeah he just kind of kills them <laughs> i don't know yeah
0: um no yeah i totally agree with that you know, and he does have a sense of justice
1: yeah he does again he ha i mean and i think a lot of villains do have like their own sense of justice and moral mm-hmm. compass like one
0: one example of that would be when Danny Trejo's character, I can't remember his name, but he's like the rapist and yeah. he's awful and he's trying he's like ready to rape that prison guard. Mm-hmm. And basically Cage's character, Cameron comes in and is like, "No, you can't do this." And then and then Malkovich is like, "No, you that's right. You can't do this. This is not yeah. allowed. Like if you do this, you are going to die. Like, you know, I'm going to take care of you." So, um yeah, no, I agree. Danny Trejo
1: is like, has this whole food thing going on in LA. Do you know about this? He has, this, he has, no. ta- yeah, he has like high end like taquerias and he, he bought this, um, corner donut, donut shop and ah. has like this very cool like coffee and donut shop in <gasps> mid city. And yeah, he's doing the food thing and it's all like Danny Trejo and it's like a little image of
0: him and his little brand. It's, can we please go there when I visit oh, you? Oh, we, de- we should definitely go there. And, yeah. It sounds like everything I want. And if he happens to be there, I will give him a hug. Even okay. though his character Just scared me. Just keep it at that, yeah. Right. Yep. Um, I'll be like, hi, Danny Trejo. <laughs>
1: I thought it was really interesting that there was a trans character in this movie. Yes! In 1997. I love that. That was that. That was definitely, like, a strong character as far as, like, you know, the character knew what it wanted. You know?
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. She
1: went out and found a dress. <laughs> I don't. I did, I did not understand these desert towns. I'm like, it seems like nothing's there, and then all of a sudden, like there's like an old man, or there's some drug runners, Under, or there's a tiny uh, child. A <laughs>
0: it's
1: like, yeah. What? What is it's happening out here? Anyway, the the trans woman was like, I I'm, I'm ready to fight. Give me a gun. Where you want me to go? Like. And and it wasn't like oh you're a trans woman like don't yeah. be a part of our crew. Not only that is like I'm I'm trying to think of one character in the movies we've watched right that are like mostly oriented towards males, uh-huh. and and yeah I think that um, I think that people. I think that's like a really tricky thing. That
0: uh-huh.
1: if there's a trans woman, it's like, oh, you. There's no masculinity in that, and uh-huh. you know that you are out of the club. You are out of the male club, and I feel like this character kind of says otherwise by just being in the movie, in general, and then also by fully participating in uh-huh. the in. In the uh, in the hostage situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Also, uh, the, the scene where they are digging the plane out with rope and like <laughs> pulling it pulling it out with ropes, and they're all topless. What a scene! What a decision!
0: That was. <laughs> <laughs> it was so silly. There are so many other things we could talk about about it's this so movie. I feel so like many things. I like that uh, Kuzak, the cop, and it, it, again, doesn't quite make sense, but he fully accepts Cage's character and is like, hey, let's both take uh, some motorcycles to chase down this bad guy, even though you are a convicted (laughs) felon. Yeah, it kind of
1: reminded – Cusack's character kind of reminded me of Broken Arrow and that sort of like – there was like this kind of you know wonky nerd in yeah right in this in the control center, and then like the person out in the field like trying to save the day. Um, that kind of like kind of partnership and balance of like male roles, and and then eventually they come together and meet each other. <laughs>
0: And it yes, is really cute. not <laughs> unlike Die Hard, which we need to watch together. Mm. We said we were going to watch that together, and it needs to happen because I love it. Yeah, um, very similar dynamic in relationships yeah, and friendships. True. Yeah.
1: Let's transition to objective, finally speaking, in which we discuss hair, makeup, and wardrobe. Maybe not makeup <clears> as much. <but>
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would argue that uh, I think Travolta wears more makeup than. Oh, he's got uh, many yeah. I mean, male actors i think he know? i think he puts a face on and it's i'm fine with that that's that's it's great that's but he does.
1: i could do without travolta's suit vibe suit. I, it's very
0: i don't know he channeled that suit concept great in pulp fiction and maybe fast forward to 1997 he was like you know i really or sorry, two thousand one. He was like, I liked that suit. I want to do another suit, and they were like, okay, because he did kind of feel like a modified Pulp Fiction character. But I don't mm-hmm. feel like it worked as well. Maybe he because has kind of aging, of longer hair. Yeah.
1: yeah, I, you know, and he he has a square body, so it, I think that's often challenging. Maybe even for like our twenty first century eyes, which were like, oh, like slim fitting suit, you know. Whereas, yeah. I think even at this time, I think, squ- like, square suit was a thing. And so, it mm-hmm. I, you know, it's just a personal preference.
0: Absolutely. It was not my thing. When he um when he kills the senator, he wears a beret. Oh, and I did not like that either. That's true.
1: And I was like, whoa, gloves. dude. I was like, how is the and senator loves? with this <laughs> totally sketchy <laughs> dude guy. out in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. Uh, he is putting gloves on. You know, it that senator? Where was his bodyguard? Where was? Where were things? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they don't have bodyguards. Well, he was but like
0: he was in the car. He got in the car, and the car exploded. So, uh, but I don't know why he wasn't with was him. Or no, no, Andy he wasn't Ritter. a bodyguard. Oh, okay. He was like an assistant. Never mind, I stand corrected. Okay. But yeah, he should have had a bodyguard. If oh, I man. were doing the crazy undermining illegal activities that he was doing, I would always have someone That's on my person true. to That's keep me true. safe. That's
1: true. He signed up for that anyway. Yep, he did. Uh, Nicholas Cage, on the other hand, has some really good looks. I, oh, his yeah. Rain, his his army ranger, you know, formal dress looked amazing. mm mm-hmm. um, <laughs> His, you know, his, him in his little white tank top. Um, he was, I think he was pretty strong in this, like, he, physically strong and fit definitely. In, this, in this movie.
0: He bulked up for this role. He like what did you he think like leaned out because his hair I... <laughs> is a character.
1: <laughs> it is its
0: own character. I think for the receding, I mean, taking the receding hairline d- into consideration, it worked for me. I was a hundred percent on board. I did not like the in the middle. I I liked the short and I liked the long. Sure. So sure. Nicholas Cage, if you're listening, please feel free if you'd like to to grow to go long, just do it. Yeah. I'm fine. I support you listen you don't
1: like it no i do no i actually do listen i have a i have a note that says long hair dash not terrible question mark um so i
0: (laughs) that's so good i
1: put my stamp of acceptance on it you know and you know this is a nice little wave when it gets sweaty and and it, it's it's dramatic uh-huh. so
0: it he got very sweaty and dirty by the end of the movie it's a, it is a and that's stressful fine thing, i get that he did a lot situation. of he did a lot work. of
1: work he had to do some
0: uh-huh. shoveling i felt a little bad for his wife because i felt like she's seeing him after all these years that was a really awkward it was very awkward
1: both honestly both reunions were very awkward in my opinion i felt like there could have been a you know, a more jubilant reunion at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I also just didn't buy, I you know, and I, I know that it had to happen, but I just didn't buy that, like, the regular at the bar would be lusting after her so much that he would not honor, like, someone who's home from war. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it just seems like, I agree. like that's not how Alabama does it. You know, yeah, they Sweet problems, Home Alabama. They don't, they don't beat up Army Rangers that just got home right? that day. You
0: know, I that feels know. very un-American. I agree with you. Okay, I think that setup was thing. a little bit weird.
1: At the end mm-hmm. of the day, I mm-hmm. would date Travolta <laughs> over Whoa. over uh, Nicholas Cage. I mean, I think there's, I think that Nicholas Cage looks attractive, but he. I think as a character, he just wasn't as interesting to me. Like, he's just like, <laughs> just a good old boy, just trying to stay out of trouble, trying to, you know, he's very valorous. He definitely saves all the uh-huh. women. Yeah. But I feel like it just, that wouldn't get very far with me. I'd be like, all right, this has been a really I understand nice that. Goodbye.
0: I, <laughs> Jessica, you like a bad boy. You like somebody that's a little hard Dude. to get, and I think that maybe that's that's kind of tainting your perception it of is. these men. But I get it. I get it. Uh, Travolta was very powerful. Cage but was, was very funny. weak. He
1: had a good sense of humor.
0: He—I mean, uh, was he funny? He liked film. He was a—he was, was a Film.
1: <laughs> a what? A cinephile. Film? A cinephile. That is a
0: word. Okay, that is a word. Yeah. Um, he likes cinema. He's a major yeah. cinephile. Yeah, yeah, I I mean, I get it. I will say I will continue to follow the pattern. that <laughs> I didn't know about myself that I have a huge Nicholas, Nicholas, no. Nick Cage bias, and I would fully date Cameron Poe. Hell yeah. Oh, what what a guy. That? All right. I would date him sweat and all, long hair and all.
1: Here, if I couldn't
0: date him, I'd date Halle Berry. <laughs> oh that, if that's on the
1: table then yes please Good <laughs> she's gracious. so beautiful is, yeah
0: oh good yeah she's
1: very attractive Hallie I don't know how you do it so which I I have a what's winner in my vote? head
0: what's your I winner? too have a winner well, if it wasn't obvious, I need to play my cards a little closer to my chest, I guess. But um, <laughs> I'm working on that. That's a continual note. I am fully invested in and in love with Con Air. I did appreciate aspects of Swordfish for sure. I yeah. I loved. They both really have great casts. Like it was yeah. very fun to watch them in action, and it was fun to watch Halle Berry and. Um, And Hugh Jackman together because they were around that same time. They were also in the X-Men franchise. And so it was like Ah. exciting to be like, oh, they were in, they were in a lot together. Uh, And they're both really compelling. Everyone was really compelling. Uh, Travolta was, was an effective bad dude but i just cannot help myself i cage also is a magnet for these very addictive action movies and yeah. i enjoyed between him and all of the other cast they i was just so charmed and um one of the silliest things about that movie we didn't talk about at the end i love the credits like when they roll credits it feels like a comedy even though it was definitely an action drama right but oh, that's but you know right. they have this i
1: have that in my notes too it's like right? classic like credit credit um montage where yeah. they're like showing scenes from the movie and like this <laughs> actor is this character um and it's yes. like a, and it's a kind of like a happy music also there's not a lot of music in
0: there isn't Con Sweet Home Air, Alabama. That, yeah.
1: yeah. It's, and that, it's one,
0: that one song that... I don't think um, they have Sweet Home Alabama, do they? How do I live oh, without... No, no, no but it's, it's, but no. Connie... No, no, no. So Sweet Home Alabama, there's a specific line where it's playing on the airplane. And Buscemi says something about, like, isn't it ironic that, um, like, we're... Like, something like we're in a plane and... and all, like, the members of this band went down in a plane crash. Like, he says something like that, and while yeah, the music is playing. Yeah, I don't think it's playing... Sweet
1: Home Alabama, though, is it? Yeah.
0: Oh, it is. It is. Okay. Look it up. Featured song of the movie Sweet Home Alabama. Hell yeah. What? Leonard Skinner is the band that went down, a, and I actually found out that's true, and I was very sad about it. But yeah, all that said, like, it, it was, like, even that ending sequence, I was like, hi, this, it, if we were going to do this for any action drama, movie, um, thriller, whatever it is, um, it would be this movie. Like, I love that this happened because I was so endeared to the characters, and maybe, maybe not Cage the most, I can't say for mm-hmm. sure, but I fully vote for this movie and for Cage. And I am going to vote for Swordfish. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, what? Yes, I am. I am because for me personally, wow. I thought that Travolta's execution of his character was be- better. And so uh-huh. I think he wins the face off in my book. Um, okay. Swordfish as a movie was pretty bad. <laughs> but, yes. but I also appreciate some of the moves they did, such as using a bus as a hostage container <laughs> and 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 making that bus fly around with a helicopter. Super interesting. Dude. And I think that the discussion of utilitarianism is is super is super interesting. Not well executed at all. I mean they definitely are like, well why would you do that? Here's why I do that. You know, it's like mm-hmm. okay, not great. But I think interesting to put this in a movie, and clearly prophetic of the war against terror.
0: That is also true.
1: Not a good thing, but but, but in my... Not in a my, good thing, but a my, thing. Uh, yeah, and I think for Connor yeah. it was just a little bit too overwhelming for me. It was just like too much. The volume was put on too high. But
0: okay no you know what jessica i am glad but i think this is, the, we, is this the first time this, that like, we've, we've had been, different we've votes been pretty much yeah we've had yeah. pretty much we've been on the same page and i like that we are now enemies mortal enemies perfect <laughs> well okay so so we figured out the face-off i believe our men are tied now yeah so that's pretty crazy we have two more movies after this and then the final face-off and I'm wondering, Jessica, what are what's a peach for you this week? What's one of your, your peaches you could eat for hours?
1: Mm. Um, I'm going to say I'm reading a couple books that I love uh, or listening to them. One is The Greatest Love Story Ever Told. I'm going to make sure that that is indeed the title. Um, but it's Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally's oh. <laughs> yeah, The Greatest That's Love funny. Story Ever Told. Uh, it's their like co-authored <laughs> memoir of how they met and and marriage and Megan Mullally is a crazy person and is such a delight and they I'm sure they're reading some things out of a book that they have published and printed, but, but there's so much ad libbing in the audiobook and noises and it's it's hilarious. That um, is so fun. Yeah. I'm gonna so have to I'm, check that out. That's definitely a peach for me.
0: So fun. What about you? I saw them promoting that. I oh goodness. So, <laughs> so um, I have gotten into this thing. It's kind of a slippery slope. It's a show that I'm watching with my husband right now. You might have heard of it. It's called Star Trek: The Next Generation. No way. And, yes, wow. and I believe maybe wow. your uncle has some. Is has he been in that? I think so. I'm sure he has. I'd be really curious what character he's played or if he's been like background or whatever, but I am in love with it. I, I love Jean-Luc Picard so much. I love, there's a character named data who I always got confused with Geordie Laforge. What an idiot I was. Uh, Geordie Laforge is LeVar Burton who has like the glasses. Oh, and yeah, I classic. just always assumed he was data. Cause like that thing looks like you would know a lot of data, but data is a droid. And, Data is, like, my new biggest crush ever. He is, and I always have a crush. Like, I always have, like, a running actor crush or whatever. But I love him so much. He's just this, I think he's such a fun character because he is a droid who just desires so much to be human. Like, he wants Mm. so badly to fit in with everybody. And you see so many examples of that in this first season of him just, like, he gets really obsessed in, like, film noir (laughs) literature like he studies on it and then tries you know like to act like a detective at one point and he's just like a very silly silly droid dude who's not human but wants to be and I just I'm delighted with that storylines are a little predictable it's a little cheesy at times but I'm generally just really loving the show so it's a definite peach for me
1: that's great you know who's gonna be so delighted to hear that is <laughs> your our husband own, our own Josh McBride um, <laughs> I knew it yeah well I thought wonderful. of him to,
0: or yeah I was watching it yesterday and I actually thought of him because I remember at some point having a conversation with him where he was like I'm a trekkie and I was like what why would you be mm. a trekkie and now I really feel like I get it like I get yeah. where the commitment to that community of explorers comes from because yeah. they're they're really they're really enterprising literally in in the future <laughs> and they're doing amazing things for mankind and and there's just some great commentary in there about humanity and I love it. Well, what's happening next episode? Uh, in the next episode we'll be facing off Travolta's Carrie and Cage's Mandy. Wow. So Carrie that's and be Crazy. Mandy. Two horror films. Two about yeah, horror women. films.
1: <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. How exciting. And Mandy's it's Mandy's crazy, very right? recent. Carrie is a Stephen King novel. Also that I've read it was before. Travolta's I-
0: You've read it before?
1: I've read the book. I haven't seen the movie, though.
0: I have not seen the movie either, so I'm really excited. And I have read the book. Travolta, I believe it was his debut, his film debut. So really? That's okay. also kind of fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Face Off Podcast.
1: Yes, thank you. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Pod, or email us at suggestions at faceoffpod at gmail.com and we set it on a setting that if you send hate mail to that email it we will uh, ignore gives it gives you a virus on your computer forever yeah so, so just don't, don't do, do that, that. yeah Mm-mm. yep all right we hate to see you go but we, but we love to watch you leave bye love you.
0: bye sick crushed it crush boom, boom. Stopping!